0: Welcome to the Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com. God is good. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the joy of the Lord is our strength. We thank you for how you have caused your face to shine upon us. We thank you for the sparkle in your eye that when you look at us, you are for us and not against us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that by the power of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are transforming us. You're at work in our lives. And Lord, we just celebrate the power of our living God. Lord, the testimonies that we've heard, the worship, Lord, we are so grateful. And Lord, we worship you and we celebrate you even in the midst of opposition and suffering, even in the midst of trial and trouble. Lord, the truth is we don't know how other people make it without you. Lord, we don't know how they do that. And Lord, we want to be shining examples of who you are that whatever happens. We will conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of our Christ, our Messiah, our King. Lord, this morning we thank you for the chance to spend time in your word, to spend time with each other. Pray you'll speak to us. We pray, God, that you'll put your finger on things in our lives where you want to work and you want us to partner with you. I do pray for a willingness, for a yes, for receptivity for our lives, Lord. We ask you to be patient with us and have mercy when we tell you no or we resist. We just, we trust you this morning. We say we believe you and we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, we're going to do a, a kind of a, a mid year analysis. We're going to do some time of reflection. We're going to do some time of examine. We're going to do some time of, of, of spending some time revisiting a word that the Lord has given to us. The Lord gave us at the start of this year a word, realign. And as the year has progressed, I have heard over and over from different ministries throughout the earth that they're hearing the same word about realign, about realignment. And so, isn't it fun to get in on what the Holy Spirit is doing? The Holy Spirit speaks a word, and we get to be a part of that. If you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter one. We're going to look at verses 27 to 30. We spent nine weeks on this series, and we talked about some of the skills, some of the practical applications for our lives because the Lord has a word for us from this passage. He wants us to realign whatever happens to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And during that sermon series, we talked about the need to develop new capacities for what was coming, not only in the nations, but in our own personal lives and in the world itself. And as with any word from the Lord and with any new skill, we recognize that mastery takes a lifetime. I think so many times, one of the reasons why we're doing a mid-year review is because so many times we hear a message and we think we've got it, right? We think, well, I heard that message and, and I understood it intellectually. Calvary, I don't want us to be hearers of the word, I want us to be doers, I want us to live into the word that the Lord has us. So we're doing, we're doing realign, a mid-year review and reflection because we want to, we want to do a checkup. We want to see how we're doing in responding to this word that's not just for Calvary Community Church, but it's actually going out to the nations. It's actually going out to the body of Christ throughout the whole earth. And so we measure, we measure success here, not just in numbers, but we measure it in practice. And we say practice makes progress. And progress is made in public, and public progress is always messy. Some of us, we, we don't want messes. We want to just have it all figured out. We want to let people know, listen, if you want the strength of the ox, the Bible says in Proverbs, then you will have a mess in the stall. Amen? If you want a clean stall, then you won't have the strength of the ox. And so messes aren't a problem to us, right? We know it's okay to practice. Practice does not make perfect. Practice makes progress. And let me say again, there's a misunderstanding in Western culture that if we just assent to something intellectually, If we give our nod, if we give our yes, if we give our okay, then we think we have mastered it. Mastery takes a lifetime. Mastery takes ongoing practice and responding to the promptings of the Spirit. And praise God, we're not making this journey alone. But this Jesus, who has all authority in heaven and earth, he says, it's to your advantage that I go away. I'm going to give you the Spirit, the gift from thy Father, the Comforter, the Helper, the one to be with you, the Advocate, and with the Holy Spirit helping us, we can realign, and whatever happens, we can conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we want to figure out where we're challenged, where we're stuck, where we're stopped, where we're resistant, and we want to figure out where God is inviting us to change or to grow or to give us a checkup and say, hey, of these four capacities, you're doing really well And these two or these three. What about this one? Let's work on this one. Let's strengthen that so that we can be strengthened in our inner man. So Philippians chapter one, verse 27 to 30. Let's read this together. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you, or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for Him, Since you're going through the same struggle that you saw I had, and you now hear that I still have. So we have three of the capacities here in this passage Turn to Philippians chapter 4. We want to look at verse 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Actually, the theme of Philippians is joy that we've sung about this morning. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of all peace will be with you. There's that practice word. You see that? Put it into application. Put it into practice. Again, living a life worthy of the gospel of Christ is one of the themes that Paul is given. He's just prompted by the Spirit to keep emphasizing that through the book of Philippians. So where we're out of alignment, we're called to realign. Where we're out of alignment, we're called to realign so that whatever happens, no matter what happens, no matter what we face, no matter what we go through, no matter what comes our way, we will be steadfast. We will be a people of unity, courage, joy, and we will do that even in the face of opposition and suffering. Just a parenthesis, this year is flying by, isn't it, for some of us? And yet these six months, in some ways, feel like eternity. Can y'all believe that we've been dealing with this pandemic, this global pandemic, since last March here in our country? And then can you believe that our, our state experienced a winter apocalypse just a few weeks ago? Doesn't feel like it, right? But you know, we have friends that are still suffering from Harvey right now. We have friends that are still suffering from the aftermath of the winter apocalypse financially. And there are people in our neighborhoods that houses are still in the process of being rebuilt, remodeled, all sorts of things. And, and stuff is happening at a break, breakneck pace. And I just want you to know, in the face of suffering and opposition in the face of difficulties in the face of trials in the place of upheaval god wants us to shine like a light to the glory of his holy son he wants us to be on display for christ these four capacities to be steadfast to live in unity to be courageous to be people of joy that will stand out in this culture because this culture Everyone's living for themselves, but we want to be different. We want to live for one who's worthy of our allegiance, our affections. We want our attitudes, we want our values so transformed that we shine, and we shine with the glory and the goodness of our Lord Jesus Christ. So these four capacities, steadfastness, stand firm in one spirit. Just to summarize, if you don't quit, you win. If you don't quit, you win. He who endures to the end will be saved. And God is able to help us to endure and to persevere. And then we're invited. We talked about this place of the extreme center with God's ministry and his message of reconciliation. So that's one of the capacities of steadfastness. Number two is unity, contending as one for the faith of the gospel. God is inviting us to show up in a way that promotes unity and expresses humility. We need to develop a skill of differentiation we've talked about where we grow in our capacity to be defined and to stay connected. I want you to know I think that's one of the simplest definitions of emotional maturity is to learn to be a person who can be defined who can be the individual that God has called one to be, and yet choose to stay connected to others. Right now, people, when they define themselves, are cutting everybody off that aren't like them. If they don't think like them, if they have different political views, economic views, religious views, different values, then I'm not going to have anything to do with you, and I want you to know the way of Jesus is better than that. The way of Jesus is a way, not only in a congregation, surely we can experience unity in the house of the Lord, but God wants us to learn how to show up in a humble way with those outside the four walls of the church. And then courage, Philippians 1.28, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Fear is not meant... It's not supposed to rule our lives. In the face of brokenness, trials, tragedies, trouble, in the face of trauma, lies, opposition, and attack, we have the capacity to choose courage. Did you know you were created in the image of God? And a friend of mine says he can't find anywhere in the Bible where it tells us to pray for courage. God just simply says, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, be strong and courageous. And uh, I can think of one place that it talks about praying for boldness or courage. That's in Acts chapter four, as they're suffering persecution, as the political system is raging and also the religious system is raging against the disciples. The disciples pray, Lord, give us boldness. And would you extend your hand to do signs and wonders to the glory of Jesus? But that's the only place, and if you find others, please let me know. The point is this, my friend said, he said, since we're created in the image of God, the courage of the Lord Jesus Christ is a part of who you are, and we get to practice accessing, we get to practice choosing courage rather than giving in to fear, because fear is the natural thing to do. We can be courageous. And so God's calling us to do that. And one of the ways that we can be courageous is to learn how to walk in the light. We'll talk about that capacity in a minute, that skill. And then joy, Philippians 4, four: rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Joy, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And I got so excited years ago because I got an idea of what joy was from some people that were explaining it to me. And I was studying that word and I got really excited about righteousness, wholeness, shalom, well-being, and celebration. I thought celebration was a breakthrough. But then as I've been reading and studying and learning about how God has designed our brain, I realized that joy goes beyond just happiness and beyond celebration to actual, as you attach to God and to others, it fuels your brain and you have a capacity and an energy that was not there before. And it's something that cannot be taken from you. So whatever we go through, whatever we experience, we have the opportunity to learn how to choose joy, to express joy, to respond in joy, and to live from the place of joy in Christ Jesus. And we can even choose joy in the face of the big emotions that come our way and that want to knock us off our center in the Lord Jesus Christ, the big emotions of anger, sadness, uh, there's just different ones that'll hit us, fear. They'll hit us and they try to knock us off of our place in Christ. So those are the four capacities that God wants us to develop. He wants us to live into those in practice. So let's just hit those quickly. We're gonna talk about those different capacities and we're gonna talk about a skill that will help us to grow that capacity. There are many skills. There are many There are sub parts or sub points to these these truths, these realities that the Lord is inviting us to experience. But I'm just going to highlight a few. And then there's actually in my notes, there's an examine. An examine is just taking an intentional time to spend with the Lord for the sake of reflection, for the sake of listening to the Spirit, and just say, how are we doing? How's it going? So in my notes online, there are, you can look at these four different areas. Again, It blesses me if you come and you're blessed by the message and you walk out and you go, that was really good, Pastor. But you know what means more to me? Is when we walk out and the Lord's speaking to us and we go, I'm gonna grow in that area or I'm gonna develop a new area. Uh, By the way, the Holy Spirit will sometimes speak and it has nothing to do with my notes or my message to you. And that's okay if he does that. Just pay attention, write it down, right? I'll never forget, I was preaching a passage and I was talking about the Holy Spirit's work and I was doing it from Acts chapter 6 and uh, Acts chapter 10 I'm sorry and I read the first part of the passage where it says that Cornelius was a God-fearer and I read about him giving alms and giving worship to God and then I made this statement I made this simple statement I said he was a God-fearer he was a religious person and he didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And after the service, a good friend of mine came up to me and uh, happened to be a deacon in our church. And he came up to me and he said, he said, Pastor Jeff, when you spoke that word, I didn't hear another thing you said. He said, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and told me I needed Jesus this morning. I was a religious person. I had, I had, I had knowledge about God. I give. I'm faithful. I work hard for the Lord but I don't have a relationship with him, and I want that this morning. Listen, whatever God's saying to you, write it down, put it in your phone, pay attention to it, and if it has nothing to do with my notes, the good news is the audio's online, the video's online, and my notes are online, right? So listen to the Holy Spirit this morning. Steadfastness. We're people who don't give up. We don't give in. We believe that if we don't quit, we win, We believe that if we don't quit, we win. Turn to Matthew chapter 24. We're going to look at verses 9 to 14. Matthew chapter 24, verses 9 to 14. Obviously, you're familiar with this passage. This is Jesus answering the question of the the disciples about the end of days, the end of time. It's an eschatological uh, passage. And it says in verse 9, "...then you'll be handed over to be persecuted, to be put to death." And you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Did you see those words, many and most? Uh, Our friend Jay Kelly often says, if you don't think you can be deceived, then you're right at the door of being deceived. We think that'll happen to somebody else. That will not happen to us. Jesus himself said, because of the increase of lawlessness, or we know the greatest commandment is love, right? Love for God and love for one another. In the midst of increasing hatred lovelessness, people's love will grow cold. They'll get hard, and and many will turn away from the faith. Many will be deceived. Most will grow cold in their faith, but the Lord is looking for those that will stand firm. He's looking for those who will be steadfast. He's looking for those. He says, listen, if it lasts in you, you got the real deal, and I want you to know You're not doing this in your own strength. I'm not doing it in my own power. Philippians chapter one, verse six says, whatever God has begun in you, he will keep working at it until he finishes in Christ Jesus. And so our position is to say yes, to bless what God is doing, to agree with him, and not just again, have mental ascent, just a Christianity that says, Hey, look at the words that I know, the scriptures that I know, the teachings that I know. I want you to know all those things. We're, we're here spending time in God's word, but I want us living it. And I want us to have such a faith in Jesus that we will endure to the end, that we will be here. Philippians chapter one, verse nine through 12. It talks about flourishing. We'll be here fruitful and flourishing until the day of Christ Jesus, I don't want to just survive, I want to thrive in this hour. Even in the midst of a difficult, dark culture, I want to thrive. And so I've got to learn new skills. It's challenging right now to thrive with people, right? Because everybody, they're just, they're pressing in, they're they're frustrated, they're angry. But we can show up differently, and that's our challenge. Steadfastness is about perseverance. So you and I, with the grace of the Holy Spirit, we need resolve, determination, and grace to love God, to love others, and even to love our enemies. And so steadfastness, that's a skill that God wants us to have. He wants us to be a people, again, who don't quit. So turn in your Bibles. I want to talk about one thing that God has called us to do. It's a place of steadfastness, and there's a skill that we've got to learn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 14 to 21 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 14 to 21 we're to be a people who are able to stand in the extreme center with God's ministry and message of reconciliation this place that we call the extreme center 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 14 for Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all Therefore all died and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view though once we regarded Christ in this way we do so no longer therefore if anyone's in Christ he's a new creation the old is gone the new is come and all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ the righteousness of God. This passage, uh, there are some passages that just capture your heart and just are life verses or life passages. This is one of those for me. This passage is so rich and transformative for my life. So we have a ministry of reconciliation, we have a message of reconciliation. But look at verse 16. He says, We, we no longer have a worldly point of view. Well, the scripture in the context tells you what a worldly point of view is. Look at verse 15. Those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. One of the reasons why you and I need salvation is because we don't, need, we don't know how to live a fully human life like God wants us to live. We don't know how to be fully human. It says that, that the worldly point of view is to live for ourselves. Listen, selfishness... And sin, it, it, it distorts what God knows and what God says. This is the fully human life. This is the abundant life. This is what I created you to be and do. And so because we didn't get it, you, the people of Israel were supposed to be this light, right? First, it started with Abraham and then it, it became his whole family and others. And we've dropped the ball. So Jesus came to show us what it's like to live a fully human, devoted life to our God. Yes, the mystery, he is divine. He is the Son of God. But he didn't come to show us just about God. He came to show us, this is who you can be with me living in you with the Holy Spirit. And you don't have to live a self-centered life a selfish life. And he says, you know, we actually dealt with Jesus that way, right? For some of us, when we got saved, it was our ticket to heaven. It's how can we be blessed? He says, but we grow past that and we realize that my life is not my own anymore. My life belongs to the one who died for me and who lived for me and who is raised for me. And so our whole worldview just gets taken. And isn't it great that we're on a journey with the Lord? I don't care how you came to Christ. Sometimes it's fear. It's fear of being separated from God for eternity. But I want you to know, I hope you've gotten past that in your journey and now you're living for the one who loves you so much that you don't want to give your love anywhere else. You're trapped in loving him. Your hope, you you don't have any place else to go for hope because your hope is in him. I I hope and pray that you're making progress in that journey. And and he says, and, and this is all about God's love. Christ's love compels us. Our motivation, again, is not duty. It's not religion. It's not to earn something from God. God loves us so much that he knows we can't figure it out on our own. So he gave us his best, his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to come and claim us and to help us to live in us and to change us with the spirit of Christ. And so we do what we do as followers of Jesus. We live for this one now. We don't do it out of duty. I'm not here this morning out of duty. I'm not here because it's my job. I'm here and you're here because we love the one who loved us. He has, he has captured our hearts. He is amazing. And, and we want other people to know that, that I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm actually a new being. And, and what does that look like? His name is Jesus. If you want to know what my life is supposed to be like, look at Jesus. What if Jesus is living my life through me? That's your life. Oh, brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus isn't ashamed of us. It actually says he's singing over us right now. He's celebrating us right now. Romans chapter 8 says, since God is for us. I mean, most of us should just stop there, right? We've never, we've never felt it in our hearts. Again, we can quote the passages. We feel like God is against us. God is not against you. God's for you. He's pursuing you. He actually, Psalm 23, verse 5 says, he's hunting you down. We've heard from this pulpit for years and years. He's hunting you down with his goodness and love. With good, he, what great weapons. And he's, he's the great hunter, Amen. He's going to get his prey. Isn't that good? Some of us, it took took decades, but he got us, right? Others of us, he hooked us when we were little bitty, and, and we found nothing to compare with the incomparable great riches that we find in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Lord, we just want to stop and worship you. We just want to stop and say thank you. We want to stop and acknowledge you. So a few weeks ago uh, actually it was, it was longer than that we were we were sharing in our staff meeting and Joshua used this phrase the extreme center and and as we were sharing I was hearing the holy spirit through our dialogue and and it's easy to go to the extremes of the left or to the right in dealing with cultural or theological or political issues but the challenging place is to stay in the extreme center. And Joshua mentioned, you gotta have your head on a swivel so you can turn and look both directions because the bullets and arrows are flying from everywhere, right? When you're in the center. And so in our culture, can, can you imagine what would happen in our political arena instead of being polarized if we learned how to work together again? Compromise, cooperation, those words don't even exist anymore, do they? When one side's in power, they're going to ram it down our throats. When the other side's in power, they're going to ram it down. And everybody is dividing on everything. And you know, God has called us to a different place. He says He's given you a ministry and a message of reconciliation. What does that mean? We stand in the gap. We stand in the place of standing in the gap. When you think about it, think about a balance beam and think about Simone Biles. Would anybody say that that's a weak person doing? that gymnastic activity. She is skilled and she is powerful, amen? As a matter of fact, when I watch some of the things that she does, my heart flutters and I'm going, wow, wow. If I did that, could you imagine the splat? I mean, wow. Isn't that beautiful, that balance? You see, balance is not weakness. Balance is strength. Being able to go and do you know, I, I know from sports and, and football, they, they told you to assume the position, you know, get, get ready, or in, or in baseball, you know, the outfielders and the infielders, you don't just sit there like this and twiddling your thumbs. You know, you do that in Little League, but you don't do that as you get older, right? And so mom and dad are saying, get ready, get ready. The extreme center, extreme. I want you to know that, that I believe that God is calling us to stand in the gap, and to be in some really hard places going forward. And, and from the world standpoint, you can't win for losing there because you're going to catch it from both sides. But even the ways of Jesus, we mentioned this in the sermon series, what leader takes Simon the Zealot and Matthew the tax collector and puts them on his team of leadership? Like, y'all, y'all remember, Simon the Zealot, they wanted to destroy Rome and they wanted to kill anybody that worked with Rome and that that authority. They wanted their own nation and they were working to undermine Roman rule. Matthew the tax collector was considered treasonous in his culture. He was working for the bad guys. He was working for the other team. So when Jesus tells us to love our enemies, this is not theoretical. He put them together on his team. And some of you are going, well, thank God he didn't do that to me. Oh, dear. There's some people. There are people in your spheres of influence, right? And you're going, how can I stay away from them? How can I avoid them? I don't ever want to talk with them. I don't want to be with them. I don't, I, and, you know, and God told me I had to love them, but I don't have to like them. You've heard that, how we parse that. And Jesus just says, hey, isn't this fun? Look, I put people together, and you wouldn't believe it. What about, what about Jew and Gentile? So he put together the Jewish family, and he's putting together the other nations of the earth, and he's calling them one family. Now that's a mixture, right? You know, I hope you have a, a theology of the joy of the Lord, the laughter of the Lord. Can you imagine the fun he's having? Some of us are kicking and screaming, thinking this is the devil. We're casting out the devil. We're rebuking these people that he's put in our spheres of influence that trigger us and that try us and that test us. And the Lord, it's not not a sinful joy like ours where we take pleasure and, you know, they're suffering. That's really good. It's not that at all. He's just laughing because he knows he's going to get the last word. And he's going to teach us how to love people that aren't like us politically, economically, religiously. Now, now, there's somebody coming to your mind right now, isn't there? There's somebody, there's somebody, there's somebody. I, you don't mean that person, Lord, surely, surely not, because we've been going, they're our cross to bear, and the Lord's going, no, they're your source of transformation. Being around them is going to transform you, not them. Now that we should just pause and we should be quiet, right? You're going to use them in my life? I thought I was the one to fix them. Now you're going, I wish I could erase that picture of that face right now. I don't, I don't want God to use them in my life. Isn't God good like that? He can use anything in our lives to help us to grow in maturity in Christ. So that's steadfastness, unity. We are a people who show up in a way that promotes unity and expresses humility. Paul is telling the Philippians, he says, I want y'all to struggle side by side with a unified intent for the sake of the faith of the good news of the gospel of Christ Jesus. And they're partnering together with the Lord Jesus and with one another And so we made this statement, the Christian life is a team sport. The Christian life is a team sport. Now, if you've had the privilege to play team sports, you know that whatever sport it is, everybody needs to do their part. And if everybody doesn't do their part, the team doesn't accomplish its goal and doesn't win. Now, how is the body of Christ doing right now? How are we doing are we showing up? Are we being together or, uh, and, and, and whether it's in COVID or whatever, are we, maybe we're at home. Are we calling people and checking up on them? Cheryl mentioned that. Are we caring for, we can still be ministers of the gospel, whether we're in this physical room or not. But are we disunited? Are we disconnected? Are we cut off from one another? Or when we're together, are we just tolerating one another? Listen, God doesn't want uniformity. He wants us in the midst of diversity to have a unity of what? We're on mission together with Jesus, whatever our assignments are. And let's do that together. And let's, and, and if another analogy is actually in First Corinthians chapter 12, Paul uses this description. He says, You're the body of Christ. And he says the hand can't say to the foot it's unimportant, or that body part, every body part is important. Amen. Everybody's important. And so you think, well, I'm at this workplace, or I'm at this school place, or I'm at this neighborhood place, and and do I have to be on mission with God there? No, you don't have to be. You get to be. You have the opportunity to partner with Him there and to partner with other Christians there. You know, churches are afraid that people are going to poach their members or take them away or whatever. Calvary, I want you to know, work with whoever you need to work with. The Bible actually says in Luke chapter 10, work with people of peace, people of shalom, people of wholeness that are working for what you're working for, that they're interested in the common good, they're serving the poor and the marginalized and those in need. You partner with them because he says in Luke 10, those are people of shalom. Those are people of wholeness and well-being. And they might not be of the same religion as you or the same political party as you or the same socioeconomic position as you or the same race as you, but would you partner with them? Now that'll stretch us, won't it? But they have to think like me. They have to look like me. They have to... They have to embrace all of my things. And and he's saying, look for the people of peace, the people of shalom, the people of well-being and wholeness. Living in unity as believers will uh, enable us to face outside opposition. True humility, in chapter two, he begins to express what is true humility and he defines that for us with the ultimate expression in Jesus Christ. Humility is he laid aside everything, everything that was rightfully his. And in America, we insist on our way and our rights in every situation. Now, is there a time to stand up? Yes. Is there a time to be clear? Yes. I'm not throwing out the baby with the bathwater, but I'm just trying to swing the pendulum. I think we've become so disunified that we need to learn to work in unity and we need to partner with people both inside these walls and outside these walls for the kingdom of God. The Bible calls for unity and diversity, not just unity or diversity or uniformity. So we talked about this skill. I think it's one of the most important Important skills you can learn is the skill of differentiation. And what I mean by that is I'm going to live and be who God has called me to be this unique human being, called by Jesus, born again by Jesus, with the Spirit of God living in me. And I'm going to share what I think, feel, and believe. I'm going to give you the right to be the individual that you're called to be, letting you share what you think, feel, and believe. And then I'm going to do the really hard work of staying connected to you when you tell me what you really think, feel, and believe. Now, for most of our lives, we can't even do that with our own families, right? If we share what we really think, feel, and believe, there's a war in the family at Christmas time and Thanksgiving, right? Highly anxious times in our families. Listen, right now, we focus on our, our differences. But, but I want you to know the skill of differentiation is we're able to embrace attention. We were actually called to live in the tension of being who we're called to be and staying connected to others who aren't like this. Now, Jesus did this all the time. The Pharisees and Jesus, it was a tense re- relationship, right? But do you know that Jesus kept eating in their homes with them? He kept spending time with them. I mean, what about Judas? Judas Iscariot, Jesus knew what he was doing, but isn't it amazing he had the maturity not to treat him any differently than the other 11 disciples? I must admit, I'm not that kind of a leader. If I had somebody that was doing behind my back and doing, I I would treat them differently. But I want to grow up to be like Jesus so that I can love people that are not like me. Whether that's regarding race, whether that's regarding, again, politics is just the easy one right now, right? Politics is the easy one, how we're dividing. Well-differentiated people, they define themselves and they stay connected. And so I want us to be that kind of people. So just in the political realm, we want our members praying for our leaders. The number one thing you can do in the political realm, just that place where we're different is please pray for your leaders. Don't pray against them, pray for them in first Timothy chapter two, verse one to four. We want us to vote our values. Would you please vote? Would you please identify what the Lord's speaking to you about and then vote your values as directed by Jesus? And also I want to say we want to raise up godly men and women who will get involved in politics. I, I want to see young people, I want to see adults, I want to see people get involved in politics and serve, what, as salt and light in the political sphere. I pray people, if Christ will run for the state, the the, the local, the state and the federal level, we need Christians in that arena, right? We want to see our government pass laws that are for the common good and ensure the blessing of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. We want to stand up for laws that are a blessing and not a curse, laws that are just, righteous, and true. We want both political parties to be influenced by men and women who love the Lord, who are salt and light. We want to celebrate when either party does well. And we want to speak correction, and we want to stand in the gap when either party makes a bad choice so that they can be held accountable. We want to encourage members of our church family to treat others with gentleness and respect when that member shares their views with other people and, or when they share with us. And you know, there ought to be a safe place where anybody can share what they think, feel, and believe and they won't be attacked by us. Because right now, people see things very differently, don't they? Whatever the, you know, I've got some friends and and they say, you cannot be a Christian and vote for that party. And then I have people on the other side saying, there's no way you can be a Christian and vote for that party. Listen, who's right? I know some of you are wanting to tell me, but just wait, don't do that. We want everybody in our church to be a people who first seek to understand and to listen before we demand being heard and understood. And then we want every member of Calvary to conduct themselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. When you're talking about politics, when you're talking about government, when you're talking about business, when you're talking about economics, entertainment, medicine, I want us to be able to talk about these things because our world needs to hear salt and light and they need to watch people who have a loving capacity to stay connected, even with people that are different than them. Now, that's emotional maturity to me. And I want to say, our culture is pretty emotionally immature right now, right? As if you, again, if you don't think, feel, and believe what I do, more power to you, but I'm not going to have anything to do with you. And in our families, we actually have quarantine subjects, don't we? There are subjects that we don't talk about, how, how are we going to learn? How are we going to grow? How are we going to discover? How are we going to learn to love if we can't talk about it? But I, I, let's just start with trying with where we are. I'm, I'm not saying, don't wade out into some places you shouldn't wade out into and say, well, Pastor Jeff told me to go up to anybody I need to and just tell him what I think, feel, and believe, and then ask them, no, he didn't. But let's start practicing this in some safe places. And I hope Calvary is a safe place. I hope this is a safe place where you can post something on Facebook and you won't get ripped by Cal- Calvarians. I hope. Courage. We're a people who live full of courage, faith, and action. To walk in a manner worthy of the gospel of the King, whatever happens means that we practice responding out of courage rather than letting fear control us. Fear is not supposed to rule our lives. Think about it, nothing, not opposition, not intimidation, not difficulty should knock us off of our game of conducting ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of our king. So fear, we said, is a signal of a threat. Let's identify the threat or the danger. What am I afraid of? What am I imagining is going to happen? In some cases, there is a real threat that you need to protect against. And so that's why we have fight, flight, or freeze. That just that you don't even have to think about it. But this chronic anxiety, the, the this thing that just, this anxiousness, this angst that's ruling our lives, it also makes us not to be a thoughtful people. We're not reflective when we're anxious and fearful, and we're just reactive. And our culture right now is reactive. Everybody's reacting. Like when we went through the winter apocalypse, it was amazing to watch people we got to find somebody to blame. We got to somebody to attack. We've got to, listen, it was just a mess and there needs to be some accountability. There needs to be change. But how much are, are we just offloading our anxiety? Are we working to solutions? And are we trying to be a part of the solution in our system? That would be an illustration. So talking out loud Man, sharing with somebody. If you want to be courageous, turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 1 verse 7. Here's a real practical way to be courageous. 1 John chapter 1 verse 7. We are a people who practice choosing courage by having frequent transformation conversations or just walking in the light. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, two things happen. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness, it changes us. It takes courage, and I want you to know, this is, this is one of the skills that the Lord has been doing in this congregation since 1985, and it, is, it has transformed my life. I, you know, we had Jack Deere here years ago, and he said, what you don't say controls you. What you don't say controls you. And so if you can share with a few safe people, if you can share and do two or three or four conversations intentionally a week, James chapter five says, if we confess our faults one to another, we will be healed. We've, we've got, this is a weapon. This is a skill. This is something to practice. And I hope you're practicing this in your small groups. Fine. I'm not saying walk in the light with everybody, but I'll tell you what, after you walked in the in the light with your small group and ministry teams and your family and others, you begin to be able to say, I can, I can walk in the light with others and say, this is what God's putting his finger on. And this is what he's transforming. And this is what he's doing. And we can cast vision and we can be clear and we can be authentic. And then others look at our lives and go, well, if God can do that for you, maybe he can do something for me in my area. And it becomes a testimony that's current, rather a testimony that's 20, 30, or 40 years ago. So what's the Lord putting his finger on in your life? And and here we are looking at being steadfast, being people of unity, of courage, and of joy. Is God putting his finger on one of those where he wants you to grow? And then joy. Oh, by the way, this thing about, about courage, when I think about being a, a person of courage, I think about the those be all that you can be TV commercials about the military. Have you ever watched people that have been trained by the military when something happens, when there's the mayhem and the noise and the confusion of the sounds of war, they run toward the battle, don't they? Fear runs away. That's what our natural instinct, but you can actually be trained to be one of those heroes, one of those people that runs toward runs toward the enemy and toward the battle. And so they practice responding to threats in courage and action. So you have to, you have to practice... Strengthening your courage muscle. So walking the light is a way to strengthen your courage muscle. That's what I'm trying to say. Finally, joy. We're a people who find joy in being the sparkle in God's eye and in the eye of others. God, as I shared, has designed our brain to run on joy like a car runs on fuel. And joy is found in being the sparkle in God's eye and the eye of others. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse six, for God said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. So again, when God thinks about you or pictures you, his face lights up. He just, he's so excited to see you and he loves you and, and he has this sparkle in his eye. And so joy comes from attachment to God and attachment to other people. So, one of the things we can do is practice letting our lives, letting our faces light up when we see our brothers and sisters, letting them see the sparkle. And you can't fake that, right? You got to work on it. I really like you. I really, you know, and and there are some people that are extroverts. They just seem to always have a smile plastered on their face. But there's some others of us that we got to work on this. And let's work on it. Let's let's learn to show up and 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 turn in your Bibles to Numbers six twenty two. I want you to. This is through the whole Old Testament, this this need for us to experience the joy of the Lord, to experience the love of God. Numbers chapter six verse twenty two. The Lord said to Moses, "Tell Aaron and his sons." This is how you're to bless the Israelites. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And so, make his face shine upon you. The Lord just, it is a blessing to know you're loved and accepted, that you're approved. That's a blessing. And, and people are going, yeah, but if I love somebody, that means I'm approving of what they're doing. And they're going to think that they can just keep being the way they are. Is that, is that the way you relate to God? Well, if it is, Romans chapter six says, stop it. You know, that love and grace is not so sin can abound, right? So stop it. But but God, we're motivated when we see the smile, when we see the joy, when we see the sparkle in his eye. And he says, I want you to know my face shines upon you. We're a blessed people. My goodness, we ought to be so excited this morning. We are so blessed that God is here with us. We are so blessed that God is partnering with us. Well, not that he's partnering with us. We're getting to partner with him and we're getting to be a part of what he's doing. This is a great time in human history to be alive. This day... The best is not in the past. The best is now. Now, do we have a lot to learn? Yes. Has our context changed and we really don't have the skills for this context? Yes. But aren't you excited to get to learn? We don't even get to retire, right? He's not through with us yet. So you can retire economically. You can step out of your job. But I'm talking about being a part of what Jesus is doing we don't step out of that and say, well, let somebody else do it. I did my bit for God and country. I did 55 or 60 years or whatever. Listen, you're just catching your second wind. And who's going to be the example for the young people if we don't show up? Whatever we go through, whatever we experience, we're people who choose to respond in joy and to express joy. And so... um, There's so much that we could say, but God is calling us to realign so that whatever happens, we'll conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. We believe that we can grow in our capacity to be steadfast, united, courageous, and joyful. We can grow in those capacities with the help of the Holy Spirit. And we, if we will align, realign, will not be moved in the face of opposition and suffering. Why did Paul say... You need these things in the face of opposition and suffering. I I wished I could tell you that things are gonna get easier. I wished I could tell you that you're not gonna be tried, you're not gonna be persecuted, you're not gonna be ridiculed, you're not gonna be attacked, you're not gonna be maligned for your faith in Jesus. I wish I could tell you that, but it wouldn't be true. So many people think that when they came to Christ, it's just smooth sailing. I also want you to know that Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. Be of good cheer because I've overcome this world. You can have joy, but, but we're going to face some opposition and some difficulties. In our culture getting more antagonistic toward one another and especially toward Christians? You can say anything you want to as long as you don't put Jesus in there. So what are we going to do? Are we going to bow up and we're we going to fight and we're we going, we going to fight fire with fire? No, let's be what God has said here. Amen? Let's be a people who are steadfast, who work for unity, who are courageous and joyful, even in the face of whatever comes our way. And, and they're going to go, man, I want what they have. Let's stand. We hope you've enjoyed this episode from Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary Community Church, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com.